and in a way you're a victim, right? Sure. We're all victims in, yeah, in a way. In a We're way. victims of our own sin even. You know, mm-hmm. We victimize ourselves. Mm-hmm. But uh, the mentality of a victim yep. is a very negative, pernicious, yes. um, detrimental mentality. Yes. And you need to get rid of it. That's right. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. The Hopper Podcast is not professional advice, just two guys spitballing, so do your own research. You know, we always joke about me not reading because I don't I don't enjoy it. I mean, you like to read. I do like to read. Um, I, I, it's a discipline for me. I, I force myself to read, and therefore yeah. I, I don't read near as much as you do because yep. I have to force myself to do it. But yep. um, I want to tell you about a book that uh, it's perfect for me because it's short. It is short. <laughs> Look at that. It's um, it's short chapters, um, uh, and it's and it's interesting material. You okay. Know, I, I don't like fluff. I don't like a bunch of um, right. illustrations. Right, and, right, right, right. Uh, just give me the pamphlet version, right? Yep. D- distill it down and give me the facts and, yep. let's, and just spill it so I can learn something. Because that's my goal. It's not leisure time. It's not enjoyable time. I want right. to learn something, right? Sure. Um, <clears throat> this book is called On Getting Out of Bed by Alan Noble. Okay. And the <clears throat> the inside back cover says that he is a PhD graduate of Baylor University and associate professor of English at Oklahoma Baptist University. Um, that he uh, he's written a few articles and books, and he's also an advisor for the for the AND campaign. Oh yeah, yeah, we like those guys. Yeah, um, and he's uh, yeah he lives in Oklahoma. Anyway, look look at the picture. Look familiar? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I, there's some resemblance with you. He's he's a red red headed guy. Red headed. Yeah, I, I guarantee bald. you take that cap off. He's bald. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, think that looks like me? Well, you know, I mean, he's a white guy for sure. He's he's a white guy with blue eyes and pale skin and and red features, right? And uh, you've had a red beard before. I have, yes. Now you haven't had a red beard in years. That's right. It's I been a while. A, yeah, I haven't seen you in a beard in a long time. It's been a while. But I do remember you having a beard. Yeah, and it was red like that. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. He's so, got a round face the same way I do. Right. Yeah. Right. And and look, he looks all he looks all nerdy and stuck up like you. So. <laughs> He looks like he's judging. <laughs> he's got very judgy eyes. Yes, oh, that's right. Sorry, Alan. I don't. I don't know Alan at all. Um, but uh, it looks like um, we could we could share a beer and enjoy each other's company. Now, yeah, right. Um, Wait, no. He's he, but he's at a Baptist college or something. Yeah, he's so a, maybe not a beer. Uh, you know what? I bet I bet I could talk him into a beer. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, the book is is got lots of good information about um really about depression mental illness okay which, oh yeah um, you know so i i've been very open about having um periodic bouts of with anxiety yes which we'll talk about in the next segment too um but uh i'm not a typically you know it's not something that haunts me every day right it's something that has come upon me almost like a demon right and you know, at times, been over overwhelming, and then yeah, really crippling for yeah, you at times. And it gets, at times, goes away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyway, I've I've had an increase in interest in reading. I've always been a science guy, like you, always interested in science. Sure, sure, sure. Um, sure. And so, uh, you know, since since that last episode, I've been taking a greater interest in just like all the neuro yeah. biology that's been coming out. Yeah, I've been listening to Andrew Huberman okay. um, podcasts, and mm-hmm. there's just so much new research that's been done, and so many, yeah. you know, yeah, um, and a lot of that stuff is kind of like uh, life hacks, uh-huh. um, biohacks. And he he actually sets into that early in this book and, and talks about how there's always some new technique out there. Okay. 
And I, and I think it's a good balance because um, uh, life hacks are abounding all over social media. Yeah. And it, and, and one of my friends called it like new stoicism, mm. like the neo stoicism. Mm. If you can do all these hacks, you mm-hmm. know, this will improve your life. You may live longer. Yeah. You need to have the right kind of guru. Right. Um, you know, if you can, if you can make it take advantage of the way this nerve bundle works you can you know blah 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 gotcha uh-huh. um and i and i and you know i have interest in that stuff but sure. I, I i think this is a good warning mm-hmm. um that really at the at the end of the day this book is about answering the question why should we keep living mm. yeah why live that made a huge turn right there you think yeah yeah um well the thing is when you're when you're trying to biohack and life hack and technique yourself um you're you're trying to make improvements yeah which it says something, right? Sure. Things aren't as they ought to be, or mm-hmm. um, you, you're always looking to make things better. Yeah. Um, and the the whole premise of this book is that life is a good gift from a loving God. Okay. Yeah. Even when it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And there, yeah. there's and when you're depressed and you have mental illness or you have uh, lots of suffering and and real agony, mm-hmm. those questions become paramount. Yeah. You know, and why do I live? What What is good about this life? Um, why should I continue in this vein? Yeah. Um, and the question then becomes, do I uh, denigrate my person mm-hmm. through some sort of self-abuse, self-medicating, um, self-loathing? Um, well, no matter how you answer that question, yeah. the, the reality is you're still an image bearer. Yes. You remain an image bearer. Yes, yes, yes. And God remains who he is, and his character hasn't changed. And and though your life may be waxing and waning with pain and suffering yeah. or with joys and, and you know, quote, victories, yeah. um, uh, that that can be exhausting for people. Yeah. Um, but the, the reality is still the same. Uh, is there a God or not? Mm-hmm. And so this is all, it, 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 that kind of existential philosophical questioning yeah. um, rings yeah, yeah. true today, especially, you know, for me and for, for a lot of people, this book sure. is, has been kind of on the rise. Um, and as he, as he says, how you answer that question, how you choose to live and, and how you respond to suffering speaks volumes to the people around you. Yeah. It's like a witness to the yeah. world about what you believe is true and yeah. right and beautiful. Yeah. And... Uh, that's that's a good reminder because there are times when we give ourselves permission. Mm. When we're suffering, uh, we give ourselves permission to to act certain ways that are unbecoming or mm. unchristian or ungodlike. Mm. And um, I deserve this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, w- the way we behave continues to testify and speak volumes to other people. That's right about what we believe. Yeah. And so you, I can, I'm, you know, if you sit here and think long enough, think of someone who has suffered well, mm-hmm. who had lots of reasons to complain or be a miserable person, but they still had that spring in their step for Jesus mm. and how, what that meant to you, yeah. right? And how that yeah. encouraged you at some time. And, they, and they, they never knew about it. You never said anything to them about it, yeah. but the way that they were responding to their own life circumstances was an inspiration. Yeah. Or you find out later, so-and-so has been, been battling cancer for 10 years yeah. and you never knew about it right? because he kept it secret because he didn't, he, it was not, not a some, big deal. Yeah. Not something they wanted to broadcast. Um, and, uh, I knew people like that as well. Yeah. And you think, man, this guy, he does, all he does is keep serving and living and loving and he's got his own issues. Right. And we were so quick to assume that people don't have stuff mm. in their life, mm-hmm. but they do. Yeah. Everyone does. Yeah, they do. And, um, so, 
you know, how you respond to the crushing parts of life are important. Um, and, you know, to choose to go on and pro, to proclaim with your life, even though there's the risk of greater suffering, that God is good. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, what, you know, on getting out of bed. That's the title of the book. I like the title, On Getting yeah. Out of Bed. Uh, keep moving, right? Keep uh, Do the next right thing. Yeah. Whatever the, the next small thing is. Right. Which, if you want to tie that in with the, the, the neuroscience I've been studying, is a, is a little dopamine boost. Sure. You accomplish a task and you want to accomplish more tasks. Right, 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 right. And if you can kind of keep the train moving, even though you don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, and the latest thing I've researched, this, this is not part of this book, but uh, as far as dopamine goes, is that if you, if you reward yourself, mm-hmm. um, you are truncating the, the validity or the usefulness of that dopamine bump. Hmm. The effort itself has to be the reward. Oh, I see. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. The fact that you accomplish something without getting a piece of candy or having some sort of yeah. reward, just the, just the fact that you did something yeah. um, changes your chemistry. Right, right. And so he's like, hey, you don't feel like getting out of bed, yeah. but you got to ask yourself the bigger question. Yeah. Why am I here? Do mm-hmm. I believe there's a God or mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. I need to start mapping out my life in such a way that, that uh, and start responding yeah. according to those big truths as opposed to how I feel right now. Yeah. Um, which can be very challenging, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and in that way, he says everything, and we, we believe this, is an act of worship. Yeah, sure. Feeding your pet, he says, is an act of worship. Sure. Um, you know, helping others certainly is an or it can be. It yeah, can be. it can be, right. And so you have to decide, am I going to live or am I going to scorn my life? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting. Uh, I thought about a, a friend of mine yeah. in reading this book who has uh, suffered okay. and as a result left the faith yeah. and decided that there is no God. Okay. And strangely enough, given that new atheism, they've come to the same conclusion. Um, I have to decide to get up and to do things mm. and to make the most of my life. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird phenomenon. Yeah. Um, somehow adding God to the equation, yeah. um, made it more complicated and difficult for him. Mm. Uh, because I, I guess it was just, uh, the anger that he had with the way God runs his world. Sure. Um, what he allows and, and the mystery between human will and mm-hmm. sin and suffering and God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. I think uh, all those pressures, it's just, it was just easier for him to remove God from the equation and say, yeah. I, this is real. I have a real life. I need to make the most of it. Yeah. Um, well, I think you can, you can come to that conclusion and also know that all of the, the meaning, mm-hmm. life is pregnant with meaning if there's a God. Mm-hmm. Morality is real. There is mm-hmm. a right and a wrong. There is a... a, 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 a a hero and a villain there mm-hmm. like all of the pieces that come into play when mm-hmm. you put God back into the equation, but mm-hmm. ultimately he's living a, a rather normal life. I should say, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he's getting up, he's brushing his teeth. He's, you know, he's doing, he's accomplishing tasks. He's, he's making money. He's seen friends. Um, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Yeah, for sure. How suffering affects people, but. You want to say something before I go on? Uh, not particular. I mean, I, I like all that you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, um, so there's a few hot chapters in this book. Um, I want to read some segments if that's okay. Okay, good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, 
why is life worth the the anguish? And before I read that, I, you know, I, when I asked myself that question, when mm-hmm. I was suffering with the back herniation, mm-hmm. which was really intense. Yeah. Um, I mean, for a few months, it was it was just torture. Excruciating. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, okay, this doesn't, people don't live like this, but this is not going to stay like this. I right. knew that, right? This is going to get better yeah. because I don't see people laying around sweating and wailing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I kept thinking, I don't know how much better it's going to get. Yeah. And if I'm suffering with chronic pain all the time, yeah. um, you, you want to complain. Right. But you, I, I realize I have to make a decision. Yeah. Am I going to be a miserable person or not? Mm. If this continues on and on and on, can I learn to live with joy and not complain? Yeah. Am I going to burden everyone around me mm. as a miserable person, or am I going to am I going to have that spring in my step mm-hmm. for the Lord? Mm-hmm. I think that's a hard word. I mm-hmm. think it's a hard lesson, but I think mm-hmm. it's one that everyone has to go through. Sure. And I've said as much to to uh, other people, my wife who's had chronic pain, and other people mm-hmm. I know with chronic pain. I said, you there is a place where you start to realize this may be my life. Yeah. Uh, what kind of person am I going to be? Right. Despite this, yeah. is God bigger than this? Right. Do I believe in the resurrection enough? Right. Do I believe in the new heavens and new earth and His kingdom come? Uh, do I really believe those things? Yeah. Because it's easy to say that you do, mm-hmm. but suffering really kind of puts a focal point on it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So he, a, a couple of places, he he really kind of brings down a hammer, which uh, at times is needed, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, that and one of the things he's saying is that some people get in a pattern of enjoying their suffering. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, he says, uh, some people fall in love with their own mental suffering. I suppose it is offensive, but it's also a real temptation. Not for everyone, but I suspect that a significant portion of the people with a mental affliction in America also takes some kind of pleasure from it, occasionally at least. This is counterintuitive because anyone who experiences mental anguish will quickly tell you that they desperately want it to end. And they aren't lying. But the human heart is far more complex and contradictory than we admit. It is possible to loathe and be deeply ashamed of our mental state while at times feeling a kind of validation from it. Mm. A sense that our experience is somehow more significant or dramatic than, quote, normal life. Because of our burden, especially if we have a diagnosis. Or perhaps it relieves us of the unbearable pressure of our highly competitive mediocrity. Uh, to show that we are not, quote, normal. You follow me? I think so. Yeah. Um, he says, as he reflected on the death of his son, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, Waldo Emerson, there we go, observed that there are moods in which we court suffering. It's a remarkable thing to say, given the circumstances. Uh, you would never go to a father who has just lost a young son and say to him, I think you're courting suffering, right? You'd never mm, do that. Of course. Um, And yet this is precisely what Emerson said about himself. Both things can be true. Uh, You can suffer for legitimate reasons, personal tragedy, an ailment, a mental illness, and you can also go beyond that suffering or or come to desire it because in some petty, perverse way, you find the illness comforting. Mm. And, uh, And whenever we're suffering, we long to be comforted. You with me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, You may discover through therapy or deep introspection that the very anxiety you dread is a kind of familiar friend. Something awful, but predictable. Mm. Something overwhelming, but containable. Something, in other words, a little less frightening than the things that you fear to fear. Inadequacy, 
being alone forever, uh, failing your loved ones, being a fraud, yeah. being unloved by God. Yeah. If all this sounds unfamiliar, good for you. It is not pleasant to discover that you've come to love the condition by which you are tormented. It is even less pleasant to discover that you sometimes find satisfaction in the drama of suffering. But both are very surprising human experiences. Our hearts are capable of incredible contortions, yeah. especially when we are desperate for affirmation or to feel alive. It is not uncommon for us to desire the things that hurt us most. Your suffering does not make you special. It does not make your life more interesting, significant, compelling, or heroic. Mm -hmm. It does not make for a better story. It doesn't make you even worthy of love or compassion. It makes you worthy of love and compassion. What makes you worthy of love and compassion is the objective reality that God created you in his image mm. and is preserving you right now. Mm -hmm. Neither a wildly successful life of fame and achievements nor a painfully tragic life of suffering and misfortune makes you any more valued, any more alive, or any more worthy of life. We too often turn to self-destructive habits in a desperate effort to feel like we have the very thing we always have already had, a life that means something real. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Your that's thoughts. really good. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me think of uh, people that I have known that are, that, uh, how can I say, boy, I've got so many thoughts here. Yeah. People that I've known that, uh, yeah, embrace their suffering uh, because it is through that suffering that they can get attention and comfort from others mm -hmm. that maybe they needed and or deserved otherwise, sure. but just didn't get. Right. And so if I am... Uh, neglected or, you know, struggling with loneliness, then, uh, well, I, I remember a man when I was a hospital chaplain, I remember a man, um, that we had an ethics issue with an ex ethics consultation because he was, um, he was, uh, didn't need to be in the hospital anymore. He had come in for a surgery and I think for some other things as well. I forget exactly the story, but, um, He's basically ready to be discharged, ready to go home, and he kept inventing things that he medical things that he needed that he really didn't need. Uh -huh. That he that uh, they said, well, this isn't going to be covered on your insurance, and he said that's okay. I have enough money. I'm just going to pay for it out of pocket. And basically, what he wanted is he wanted to stay in the in the hospital, mm -hmm. and just he was he was uh, he was uh, sixty years old or something like that, uh, and and. When the crisis came down for the hospital was when he decided that he wanted to get circumcised. Because that he had no reason to get circumcised, right? But like, okay, I want to do that, and then as an, as a person like that at that age, like, okay, that's probably going to buy you another three days in the hospital, <laughs> right? And so he's like, yeah, that's what I want, and like, yeah, your insurance is not going to cover this. You do not need this, and he's yeah. like, I'll pay for it out of pocket. Well, he's taking up a bit. Okay, what did he want? He just wanted the attention. He must have had a really good nurse. Tending to him. A, a number of nurses. And yeah. he, he told me, he said, that's what he really liked is nurses coming in and giving him food and checking his, you know. Attention. Attention. And, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, the other thing that it brings up for me is uh, the difference between pain and suffering. Yeah. Uh, the way that I have understood that, although the terms can sometimes be interchangeable, and I understand that, mm -hmm. but... The way that I've understood it is that pain is more objective and it is the the conflict in your life. It is the the damage or the the whatever like that, the disease. 
um, where suffering is the narrative that we put around it, mm. and it's the meaning that we make in this pain. And so, for example, uh, you know, there is there pain in childbirth? There's an enormous amount of pain in yeah. childbirth. But would you call it suffering? It's, you know, in some sense it can be suffering. Well, it depends. It depends on what the narrative is. Think right. about the different narratives that could be involved in uh, a child. Think about uh-huh. a child that's a, that's a result of a rape or a child that's a result of, of some other horrible thing or a child that you don't want or a child that's about... It's going to come out and have genetic anomalies that are going to threaten its life versus uh, a longed for child that we've prayed for and mm-hmm. is a wonderful gift. And we're so excited. And has about now it. arrived. And, and has now yeah. arrived and has a, you know, everyone, it's going to be a big party when this child arrives and it's wonderful. Sure. The difference in pain is negligible. Yeah, it's say, exact, say the pain exact is exactly pain. the same. Right. Is there a difference in suffering? There's a massive difference in mm-hmm. suffering. And so I appreciate that he's talking about suffering because, yeah, it's what it's it's the narrative that the meaning that we attach to this yeah. pain. What does it mean that I'm in pain? What does that mean? Yeah, and you know, to, to like to distill all this down, the challenge, I mean, and, and, and this is just a portion of the book, right? I mean, sure, I, I, sure, I sure, sure. The, I, I I zeroed in on where he's dropping a hammer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the challenge there is to say, uh, and I say this all the time. Yeah. Uh, your suffering doesn't make you a victim, right? Um, and in a way you're a victim, right? Sure. We're all victims in, yeah, in a way. In a we're way. victims of our own sin even. You know, mm-hmm. We victimize ourselves. Mm-hmm. But uh, the mentality of a victim yep. is a very negative, pernicious, yes. um, detrimental mentality. Yes. And you need to get rid of it. That's right. Um, and if you have that mentality, it is going to is going to lead you to a narrative of suffering that's right that is inordinate that is not right. it's not appropriate and that's yeah, yeah that, that's and right. that's different than you know you're you can have legitimate pain and suffering yeah and people need to help you and you need help and he mm-hmm. says he's make sure you get help you know mm-hmm. that, uh remind yourself that your mind is lying to you get help mm-hmm. from people and community and hold mm-hmm. on and, and get through it and mm-hmm. you know and then he had he very clearly proclaims the gospel at the end of this book you yeah, know that good. that's the, the real healing is in this and faith in Christ, yeah. right? And and mm-hmm. and the hereafter, and that Jesus, he 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 uh, acknowledges all the suffering of this. Every day has trouble of its own, right? Right, right, right. right. Don't be anxious. God's got you in His hand. He's pleased to give you His kingdom. You know, yeah. and and this is eternal life that we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. It's, it's all going to be made right. All the all the broken things will be made unbroken. Let, yeah. Have faith in that, right? Yeah. Um, but you can you can know that you have legitimate suffering and not have a victim mentality, right? Um, that that's just a different sort of um, it is addendum. Even if someone is legitimately, objectively a victim, right? there's a difference between that and having a victim mentality, they which call, is what- call a survivor. That's right. right? So we yeah. say someone who has been the victim of a horrible crime, um, if they refer to themselves and think of themselves primarily as a victim, then they will stay that way. And there's no really it will, narrative it will that helps you to damage. go forward. It, right. Yeah, it'll, it'll create greater damage. They are legitimately a victim of yes. some terrible crime. Yes. But if you think of yourself as a survivor on getting out of bed, like, okay, I'm gonna, uh-huh. this is the circumstance I'm in, but I'm not merely a victim. I am a survivor and I'm going to do what it takes to survive through this and to yeah. thrive even. Uh, yeah, that, that victim mentality is toxic for everybody. Yeah. And it, it's such a temptation, right? Yeah. And then he's talking about some of these reasons why, yeah. right? Yeah. And and there are legitimate breakdowns in community where we don't feel like people care. We're not having yeah. uh, the, the basic attention or dignity that we ought to have. Right. That, that like you said, that, that that's, that's a very valid thing. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, I remember talking to a, a guy who tells a story about when he had, I think it was knee surgery or something and he had 
uh, a nurse that was so attentive uh-huh. and so kind and so compassionate yep. that in his mind, he thought he needed to run away with her. Yeah. Right. Uh, he almost felt like he was falling in love with her. Uh huh. You know. Uh huh. And then um, he had a, a very contrasting nurse after her shift. Another nurse came in that was very desensitized, and right. and it kind of brought him to his senses. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Know? He started thinking about like, what is wrong with me? Right. Um, why am I infatuated? He was a married guy. You yeah. Know? But why am I infatuated with this nurse? Right. Um, and it's like that that attention that um, the felt need of yes. where he was at that time. It was yes. intoxicating. Yes. Um, and, and that tells me a couple things. One, we, we don't get enough um, community. Yeah. Uh, we don't get enough uh, attention, dignity, whatever, just in our daily lives. Yeah. But also, um, we, we don't get enough Jesus. Mm. That we're, we're starving for something mm-hmm. that um, we can get met in our relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And we don't do a very good job at that. Yeah. So we, I think we're failing in both of those categories, with people and with God. And relationship is what it's all about. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so that that's kind of like my take home is, uh, you know, on getting out of bed. Yeah, there's a lot of practical advice. Sure. Um, and it is asking the big questions. And in and, and the times when I'm wrestling with the big questions, like I remember that other people are watching me and they're they're discerning what I'm, how I'm responding. Yeah. Um, kids, you know, parishioners, whatever. Right. Um, so, uh, a lot of valuable information here, but when I, when I really get down to it, do I have a victim mentality Mm. and what am I doing to meet basic human needs of relationship? Yeah. Am I cultivating that? Yeah. Am I, am I, um, setting up achievable tasks in terms of relationship or are they all like, you know, I clean the toilet and I brush my teeth and I, you know, I did these certain things that, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, around the house, but am, am I being proactive about building uh, communication with God, with people. Yeah. Am I reaching out to them? Am mm-hmm. I being, you know, a, a friend and a and a nurse when they need it? Right. You know, um, all good stuff to think about. Absolutely. Yeah, and and uh, if we do it well, then it makes suffering tolerable and even meaningful. You know, whenever I run my mouth about suffering, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like a little caution in my head okay. saying. Uh, let's not invite God for more suffering. Let's not invite him to give me more suffering. Like, uh, oh, you, you think you understand this topic. Let me give yeah. you a little extra uh, lesson yeah. in it, right? Uh, mm. So I just want to say with great humility, I have suffered. I don't like it. I don't want to yeah. do it anymore. Right. Um, I know I will at various times. I don't look forward to that. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I, I know what's true, and i got to keep my eye on the prize, and I invite anyone out there who's suffering um, right now. Uh, maybe right now is not the time to be deeply evaluating uh, your heart in the matter. Maybe mm. it is. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't mm-hmm. know that. Um, yeah. So we say these things, uh, but I want to say them carefully. And yeah, sure. I'm not sure we always do, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sometimes, you know, depending on where somebody is, they need they need this message or that message. And right, yeah. right. And we don't we don't know who's listening or what message they need right now. But that's um, right. It, if, if, you're, if you're feeling a lot of self-pity... Um, uh, we do want you to move past that. Mm-hmm. And if and if you're if you're suffering, uh, and you have you've been legitimately victimized, uh, I'm I feel terrible for sure, you. And, sure. and but you're not alone. And uh, you still you still need to choose. Yep. To walk with the Lord mm-hmm. and choose faith. What else is there really? Mm-hmm. You know, if there's if there's no resurrection, what are we looking at? Mm-hmm. It's pretty abysmal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and with God we have we have complete redemption, mm-hmm. uh, the fulfillment of His of the new heavens and the new earth. That's right, and uh, and that's the hope of of glory that we can we can hold to. That's and right. That, that's the that's the Christian tradition. Yeah, um, His kingdom come and His will be done on earth and, as it is in heaven. Yeah, so that's good news. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what what temporary light suffering Paul says or that we go through. Mm. will be nothing compared to the glory yet to be revealed. That's right. We've got to keep our mind on that. That's right. Hey, Hopper Podcast Hoppers, we've got bonus episodes for you. You asked for them, we got them. More Hopper goodness. We're actually growing quite a catalog of excellent bonus episodes that are off our regular format. Like hilarious stories that aren't quite appropriate for our regular podcast. Yep, and bonus interviews with some of our favorite guests. Okay, okay, already. How can I access these great things? Just tap or swipe on the purple Hopper podcast cover art on your podcasting app and find the show notes. Follow the link to sign up for just $5 a month. Uh, of course, we're always looking for more. You can get the past and future bonus episodes. And you'll be supporting independent podcasters promoting thoughtful, compassionate, nuanced Christian commentary. Yes, podcasting isn't always that easy, so we need more help. Thanks for your support. Hey, Dave, um, I asked a question on our Facebook group just recently um, uh-huh. that I thought uh, would that I wanted to talk about with you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw this. We put out, um, what obscure book do you wish everyone would read? And we got some really good responses. Yeah, I did see that. I saw some of the responses. You want to? Yeah. So um, Danica uh, said that she would want everybody to read a book called Killer Angel by Michael Shera. Do you know this book? I do not. Yeah. Uh, I don't either. She says, it's a fantastic piece of living history. The Battle of Gettysburg transformed from dates, names, and maneuvers into anguish, heartache, and fear. Hmm. She says, I never realized that many of the officers who fought each other in the Civil War were dear friends and comrades from the war with Mexico. The writing is top-notch. Captain Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain has the best monologue where he talks about the best and worst parts of humanity. It's where the book gets its name, Killer Angel. Hmm. It does sound like a really, really interesting book. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's um, why war movies are so popular yeah. uh, is because it, uh, we think of them as historical events and they did this and they did sure, that and this sure. the Battle of the Bulge and this yeah. happened and that happened. But then it, we're talking about real human suffering, real yes. lives yeah, yeah, yeah. and stories that are yeah. that are uh, dramatic, really yeah. dramatic because mm-hmm. they make for good movies. And, mm-hmm. um, and I would definitely think it would make for a good book, therefore. Like, yeah. Like just what she says here, it, it's put in flesh on on dates and right. historical notes. Right, 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 right. Um, so it's telling the story. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am I'm. need to put that one on my list for sure. Uh, there were a couple others uh, just that were just mentioned, um, and I don't know anything about them. Maybe you do. Uh, Tim Inman, sorry. Uh, Tim says, Race and Theology by uh, Elaine A. Robinson. Have you heard of this book? No, I haven't. Um, but... You know, it, the title "Race and Theology." If that's what it's really about, that's that's really interesting that to me would for be sure. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, and especially if we get one of our listeners that says this is a good one. Um, Another guy, Matt, says the cult of statistical significance: how the standard error costs us jobs, justice, and lives. You know, I've not heard of this one, but this looks 
like a, a really nerdy book that I would absolutely love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the title is very prov- provocative, right? Yeah. I mean, because I, I, I um, statistics can be so misused. Right? Yeah. I mean, totally. just, oh my goodness. So that's right. This is a that looks like a fascinating read. Thanks, Matt. It, it does because yeah, statistics. You know, people uh, create all kinds of bizarre things because they misunderstand statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, when anyway, yeah, yeah. We need we need yeah. more of that for sure. Uh, Tom says, adjusting to the lights. Uh, this is, uh, this is listener Tom Hunley, who we know yeah. personally in, yeah. in, uh, he says, adjusting to the lights also by Tom Hunley. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, a book that he wrote. Thank you. Um, so he's a poet and yeah. it's a book of poetry that it, it's, I've read it. It's yeah. really good. It's yeah. worth, if you like me, if as you well. like uh, poetry, it's so. So Tom's getting, given his, uh, his plug for his own he's book. He's plug Tom. for his own book. That's okay. That's all right. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. Tom. And then um, Evan wrote this. He said, it's a really hard question uh, about a book that you don't, you know, that that would be obscure. He said, "Uh, the things that are obscure are obscure for a reason. That's actually a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, obscure books that are really good, he says, maybe not everybody should read those because they're they're obscure for a reason. He said, but more often books that everyone should read aren't really obscure. He said, for example... He thinks everybody should read Tom Holland's Dominion. Um, I have uh, started reading that one. It's a really thick book and really, really good. Hmm. I'm trying to find an audio version of it, actually, that's cheap. Um, my library doesn't have it, uh, but it's it's really, really good. But he says it's, uh, it's about why we Westerners think that the way we do things um, is, is the way that we do things. He also um, I mean, is, is the right way. To is do the right things. way to do things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He also uh, mentions the rise and decline of democracy. Um, he said it's got great explanatory power in history for why and how modern democracy arose, and so that looks really interesting as well. Um, but then, it ultimately, um, he suggests a relatively recent novel that he thinks is going to grow in popularity, uh, and the novel is called Piranesi. I've never not heard of it. It is obscure, I suppose. A fantasy uh, novel, he yeah, says. Yeah, huh? yeah, and he says it's really good. And um, so, if you're looking for some reading, those mm. are some good options. What about you? What do you? Th- what is? What's a uh, a book that you think that everybody should read that not enough <clears throat> people have read? Uh, well, I don't know who's read what. You know, yeah, as far sure. as how, how obscure it is. But, of course. Um, I remember way back in seminary. Yeah, I read a book by uh, Stott. Um, okay, and and I've read several of his books, and yeah, I've always terrific. been impressed with mm-hmm. uh, even good Bible study material. And, yeah, and, but this is the Cross of Christ. Oh yeah, and I thought this is going to be standard fare. Like, do I? I'm a seminary student. Do I really need to read this? Yeah. Um, but John Stott broke down elements of the cross yeah, yeah. that that left me wanting to stop in the middle of my reading and just worship and pray. Yeah. Uh, at times I felt I was being brought to tears. Like it was, it was deep and meaty. Yeah. Now I haven't read it again uh-huh. and it's been 20 some years. Yeah. And uh, so the fact that it popped into my head just now, yeah, maybe, maybe I need to, it's time to read it again. Maybe so. Yeah. There may be, maybe something to that. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Yeah. 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 What about you? Um, I, I love that book. I think, um, I wasn't thinking about it, but when you say it like, oh yeah, I need to go back and read that. I know it's on my mm-hmm. shelf. Um, going in a, a very different direction. A book that I think that everybody should read is uh, "Divided by Faith." 
Emerson? Uh, Michael Emerson uh-huh. and who's his co-author? I forget. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, explaining how the black and white churches um, have uh, are, are divided, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just very, very helpful sociological sociology yeah. of religion. Right. Very, very helpful book. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and how how faith has um, instead of repaired that caused a greater gap. Yeah, faith. Yeah. The, our faith itself has made things worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from a sociological perspective, very very helpful. Yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, very well. Yeah. So uh, so there's a good reading list. Uh, we've been talking about books this session. Huh? Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, hey, I wanted to get back to talking about uh, anxiety I mentioned earlier. Okay. I want to tell you something that happened. I, you know, I was on a mission trip for three mm-hmm. weeks mm-hmm. in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very careful when I'm in Guatemala about what I eat. Yeah. Um, you want to eat food that is cooked and uh, f- fruits that have a peel. You know, you don't want to eat succulents like a raspberry. It may have been washed in dirty water. Right. And, and all the water systems are, uh, they have microbes in them and yeah. bacteria. And, mm-hmm. and so you have to be really, really careful. You, you brush your teeth with bottled water. You drink bottled water or purified filtered water. Um, you got to be really diligent. And I am. Yeah. Except this trip, I got amoebic parasites. Oh, boy. Um, let me tell you how I think it happened. I made one error. Okay. Um, I got a cup out of the dish drain. So you wash your dishes in sink water. Yep. And then they dry. And if they're completely dry, the amoebas die. Okay. But if there's a drop of water left in the bottom of that mm. cup, and then you've, you fill it up with bottled water as clean as mm-hmm. it may be, and you drink it, you, you, it only takes one of those little suckers. Yeah, boy. Uh, so I think that's what happened. I think the cup wasn't completely dry. Okay. And I got parasites. Mm-hmm. Now, that's um, now it's just another notch in my belt of things that I've <laughs> experienced in this life. Yes. Um, it wasn't awful. You know, yeah. parasites, um, they, they're not trying to kill you. Okay. They're trying to host off of you. Right. You know, uh, they, they want to stay alive and want you to stay alive. Uh-huh. Uh, so the, most of the day was very manageable and it felt pretty normal. Okay. The, the mornings I was sick, I had diarrhea for like eight days straight and I finally got a, you know, med- got some medicine and yeah. figured out what was wrong, got some medicine. Medicine acts quickly and it kills them. So, okay. Uh, but each day... Uh, that I was having diarrhea, and I mean, you know, the the real liquid stuff. Okay. You know, the real yeah. deal. Um, like what was in your cup there? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're picking on my matcha. Um, I would say that about coffee for sure. Um, <laughs> if your diarrhea looks like coffee, <laughs> yeah. you've you got bigger issues than just a parasite. <laughs> I don't know. That's, I think that's a pretty standard coffee black? diarrhea. That's kind of the, kind of <laughs> your diarrhea is black? <laughs> um, your coffee isn't black. It's brown. Um, what? Yeah. It's black. You drink it black, but it's, it's not technically black. I guess. Okay. I'm colorblind. Um, it's black to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, boy, this is, this is taking a gross turn. Okay, sorry. Let, let, let's, let's, let's reel okay. it in. Reel it in. Get, get your mind out of the toilet, <laughs> Willie. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so what I noticed and what I want to talk about yeah. is that each day that my gut was wrecked further yeah. and further, yeah. Yeah. I started to feel anxiety. Mm-hmm. The anxiety started climbing. Now, I had some anxiety because I was managing groups of people. Yeah. And we had deadlines and places we needed to go and yeah. places we needed to be. And sure, of course. worried about traffic and airfare and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Lots of logistics. Sure. Logistics always cause me stress. Me too. I um, hate it. They're stressful. Yeah. But this was, um, the logistics started to not just cause me normal stress, it started to be like, like debilitating anxiety that was growing each yeah. day. Yeah, yeah that I had my gut wrecked further and further and further. Right. 
And then I thought I was going to have to come home. Mm. I thought I was going to have to come home and deal Early. with this, yeah. this anxiety problem, you know. And I uh, got on the anti-parasitic medicine, yeah. and I, it started to decline each day and to vanish. Yeah. Now, I sit there and I look at that experience. And this is all anecdotal. This yep. is a, a sample size of one, yep. right? Mm-hmm. But um, it was very clear to me yep. because I've been thinking about anxiety for a while now. I've been yep. dealing with it in and out. And it really is like a, something that comes upon me and is not due to my thinking so much right. as, as whatever's happening in my, my yeah. body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thoughts are related, of course. Yeah. Um, and the better you can control your thoughts, the, the better you're going to deal with your anxiety. But this is like, it's like its own animal that was coming upon me. And I realized this is related to my gut health. Yeah. Whatever the microbes in my, my biome, in my flora of, of, uh, bacteria in my gut, uh-huh. whatever they're doing for me is directly related to mental health. Yep. And I know this is a cutting edge place of research. We need, we need to really spend some money on this and figure this out. Yeah. Uh, we think we know so much, uh-huh. but uh, maybe, maybe we don't, you know, we're, we keep learning new stuff. Oh, yeah. But way back in the Bible, they talked about the core of a person not being the heart, but the stomach. It's right. interesting. And now they're calling our gut the second brain. The second brain. That's right. If, if what happens, the first thing that if you do have spiraling thoughts, you do have anxiety caused by thoughts. What happens to your body? What's the first thing that happens? Typically, you get diarrhea. Uh-huh. I mean, that's it's your stomach. Yeah. Um, and I'm telling you, it works the other way, too. It works the other way, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, amoebas were upsetting my stomach, and as a result, I'm getting anxiety. Right. And it's not because I'm afraid of amoebas. Right. I didn't even know that I had them. I just thought I had diarrhea. You know, yeah. like, like yeah, yeah. that happens. You yeah. know, you go to a new country, you eat, eat different food, and you get diarrhea. That happens sure. all the time. Yeah. And you don't I, even does, have to go to another country. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have a hot pocket. You got yeah. diarrhea. That's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's just like a way of life, right? Yeah, I, that's a, doesn't that cause me anxiety, right? I you know diarrhea once a week for all I know. I, who cares, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, and I know parasitic uh, medicine kills them right away. It very effective, very quick. Medicine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I don't have any anxiety. About, I'm talking about it right now. I have no anxiety, zero. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet I'm telling you. As my gut got wrecked, whatever those whatever those little germs in my colon are doing, yeah, um, boy, did I want them back, yeah, you know, because as you have lots of diarrhea, you're flushing them all out. Oh yeah, and uh, you need a healthy biome of yeah. you know, the flora of, of gut bacteria, and yeah. it's related to far more than digestion. Yeah, it's related to inflammation. Oh yeah, and I think uh, numerous other things we're going to mm-hmm. discover. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a fascinating field of study that we need to really. They really need to throw some money at. Absolutely. Well, yeah. they are throwing money at it. Yeah, good. But it's there's a lot that we don't know about that. Yeah. So I don't think about like the rising healthcare problem in America. Yeah. Um, and the and the issues with uh, autism, issues with uh, allergies that never existed, and of course, diet has got to be a factor in there. We yeah. gotta we gotta research the the American diet may be causing depression and anxiety. Oh, I people. think for sure it is. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And inflammation and obesity yes. and all those things, yeah. And so that, that some people might hear that and think, this is crazy talk. I'm telling you, it's not. No, no, It's no, no, really no. not. Yeah. Um, what goes into your body impacts you yep. and your chemistry and yep. what you think yep. and how you feel. Totally. And it's all related. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I'm, I'm with you 100%. It's, uh, you know, there... I think we've talked about this before, but uh, it is because of what you're talking about that it has become trendy uh, among 
wealthy people mm-hmm. uh, to have uh, uh, feces transplants. Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> and, and to have, uh, and then even specifically, so, right, you take poop out of, out of one person that has a lot of that uh, good bacteria, good bacteria uh-huh. in it and like literally put it into the uh, rectum of someone else. And you can, you can, uh, they're starting to, I think, at, this is a small but growing industry yeah. of celebrity. So you get, who's the healthiest person that you know? Okay. <laughs> let's get their poop. Uh, let's get their poop and you can buy yeah. it and uh, get it. In. I'm not ready to take that step. That sounds extreme, but I, I, I understand the point, right? But the concept, so the yeah. celebrity thing is silly. It's real, but it's also ridiculous and silly. Right, right. But it is real. But the, uh, the actual like transplant is a real thing yeah so so take it take the gross factor out of it yeah, yeah. and and um you know you take you take pills yep. that that provide all kinds of you know billions of strains of bacteria sure. you know um and uh i think that that would be more effective in a suppository for sure because it's not passing through the the acidic stomach and the, the whole digestive system it goes right to the source right yeah. So I think they, I think that there's a great idea for someone out there. Go make a, a million dollars or, or a billion dollars. Um, we need, we need suppository. Uh, uh, what are the uh, probiotics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how that works exactly, but yeah, that's. I don't think I think that they do treat the poop somehow. I mean, it's not like, dude. I don't, gosh, it doesn't need to be poop. You know, like that's just sick. That's just foul. <laughs> You, that's can, what they're doing. I know. That's it's, what they're that's doing. That's just nasty. Well, <laughs> it's 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 more natural than uh, <laughs> than some sort of pill, some sort of capsule. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you could put a dirty stick up your butt too. Um, <laughs> that would be even more natural, huh? I I don't know. Maybe, but it, yeah. I don't know that that would be that good. Anyway, no. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. That yeah. having good gut health is is really really important. And in ways we're we're just discovering, the way that yeah. I think about what you're saying, one a, a very and I, I recognize this is very very simplistic, um, but one of the kind of a category that I think about is all of us have um, like a a level of stress that we can tolerate, and it's a continuum, and I, and I can feel mm-hmm. my stress level, you know, going up and up and up, and everything that I have going on in my life. Um, that is stressful to me adds to that stress level. Right. And as it, as it approaches, you know, my breaking, I'm, I come up to a breaking point where right. I'm, I'm just, and in my breaking point, I just become almost like catatonic. When I, when mm. I get to that place, you I just, just got to shut down Yeah. and I, and I'll sit down or lie down and it's just like, I, I can't do anything anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm done. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm just done. Right. And as I approach that, I, I get closer and closer to that, but there's lots and lots of stressors that could lead to that. Mm-hmm. And so, and I guess other people have different, um, you know, when they get to the breaking point, they might do, might respond differently, but. Sure. Uh, so you're saying that these parasites, that's part of the stress, right? And so then what was normally stressful, uh, you know, dealing with logistics, mm-hmm. okay, you you weren't expecting that this diarrhea and this whatever, you know, the, what's going on in your gut, like that's bumping you up from in your stress level so that your level's higher. Yeah, I think it's, actually, I think it's different than that. Okay. Um, in that, 
uh, like, like, oh, I have all these logistics to deal with, and now I've got diarrhea to deal with. Oh, no, that's yeah. not what I'm saying. Okay. I, I, yeah, so it's not like... Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it, there are multiple factors, like, okay, what what are you eating? Or If you don't get enough sleep, and now right. you, sleep now you drink too that. much caffeine, yep. and now you're, you're all amped yep. up, and... That, I, I agree. I think that's real in terms of like an, an accumulation of factors. Yes. But this was all stuff that, that in normal circumstances, uh, logistics that I can manage just fine. Yep. Um, and once the parasitic medication knocked out and my gut started to be restored, uh-huh. um, it, it I, I was managing them just fine. Sure. Perfectly fine. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but given what whatever chemical alteration the lack of bacteria, uh-huh. whatever that was doing, uh, that that's the mystery part. It was far more uh, problematic than just uh, additional stress. Like, oh, now I've got diarrhea to deal with. Or, you know, it's like it, the flushing out of that, of that biosphere um, was producing real changes in my chemistry. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's, it wasn't just an accumulation of stressors. Okay. Yeah. Something, something more mysterious and, 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 uh, you know, that I th- really think we need to research. Okay. Does that make sense? I think I understand what you're saying, and I'm not sure exactly what the difference is. I think any stressor causes chemical changes in our brain. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Um, what I mean is, like, so say that, like, uh, uh, on a scale of, of 1 to 100, you know, or 0 to 100, at 100 is my breaking point. 50 is a kind of, is a level of stress that I can deal with very competently, and I can yeah. carry that no problem. Below that, I feel like I'm, you know, bored or something, and I don't have a, enough stress on me because it's I'm just, yeah. and I'm kind of antsy to get something done. Above that, and I am start to uh, feel a little bit weighed down, right? And so maybe... Uh, the uh, maybe you're at like a sixty or something like that on because it's a stressful you know going out of the country mm-hmm. and doing stuff maybe that's stressful for you and so that's what your typical uh, but then the um, your gut issue yeah amps it up to a seventy five or eighty and you're like whoa 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 this is yeah. really I think I put it this a way a problem I, I, I like this analogy and okay. I think the way I put it this way is like if if the logistic stressors uh-huh. put me up to about a forty. Oh, okay. But, but my sure. threshold is always a hundred, right? And and there's not enough accumulation of stress to get above forty. It's about at forty, and then I get this my my micro uh, biome gets flushed away. Yeah. And then my threshold is no longer a hundred; it's ten. Okay, sure. I think that's a way a different way of thinking about it. In, in, yeah. in terms of like it, it's not an accumulation of stress; it was somehow. An inability, your ability to deal with stress, yeah, a is... mental, yeah, a mental change that de- degraded my normal state, my, you know, to a level that was far lower than uh-huh. it ought to have been, uh-huh. simply because of whatever those bacteria are providing me with. Yeah, yeah, which is fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, either way, so what I was suggesting is is that this adds to your stress. You're suggesting that this lowers your tolerance for stress, mm-hmm. and Either way, that you know, when you when you get that close, and all of a sudden you're just like, I, I can't yeah. deal with this. I can't deal with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not a good feeling. No, it's not. I have been there, and I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it is. Uh, it can be. It can be so intense as it was for me a year ago that that uh, it, it is unbearable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember talking with you at that yeah. time, and it was it really was debilitating. For you, and, and and in one sense, for no particular, there was no st- extra stress on you. It it just 
something happened in your brain brain chemistry. Yeah, so um, th- there were a lot of stressors at that time. There were yeah. a lot of stressors. Um, there were a lot of uh, reasons for that. I do wonder, you know, looking back now, like w- w- what kind of shape my gut was in that I was not cl- clued into. Interesting. Yeah. So I wonder, like, did I did I have some sort of illness or bout with something? Did yeah. I, you know, that's a possibility. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I don't mean to say that you had no stressors, but um, the stressors that you had were, uh, I well. From from my perspective as your friend, the stressors that you had w- were not um, small exactly, but they didn't uh, add up to they the kind the of, kind of response. That's it. They yeah. didn't warrant the kind of debilitating anxious mm-hmm. response that you had. There was something else going on, and it may have been something with your gut. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a science-minded person, it's interesting. Indeed. Someone's Indeed. like clued out. We should stop talking about this now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we want research to be done on other people. I do not want um, <laughs> to, to be doing research myself. We're going to give you some amoebas now. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stay close to the toilet. This is William with the Hopper Podcast. Some things matter a whole lot, like abortion, gun control, LGBTQ issues, the environment, redemption, hope, truth, and justice. These things take careful, nuanced, thoughtful, and open discussions. Other things don't matter much at all, like dad jokes, beer preferences, pranks, and poop. These things are silly and fun. But here at the Hopper Podcast, we love both. And if you do too, please share the Hopper Podcast with a friend, like, follow, and call in to encourage us at 214-267-9287. Thanks. Dave, we got another email from one of our listeners um, named Brian, and he wanted to uh, talk to us about uh, one of our episodes where we talked about the difference between some people are aggressive and other people are passive aggressive. Do you remember Uh talking about that? Yeah, I think so. And he he wanted to uh, remind us that that's really a continuum between one to the other. So the people who are very, very aggressive, that's uh-huh. inappropriate. Those who are really, really passive, that's inappropriate. And then most of us need to kind of hang out in the middle uh, at, at, a, uh, at a place that he calls assertive, um, where, and I think that's, that's a helpful, that's a helpful thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess everything's Everything's on, on a, a continuum. Continuum, sure. Yeah. Well, not uh, everything, but a lot of yeah, things like I, that aren't going to continue. Yeah, and there's yeah. like a healthy, a healthy place, and then there's right. there, you can fall off the horse on either side. On either side, yeah, that's that happens uh, a whole bunch. I think if I remember that, uh, I think uh, that's when we were talking about Rogue One. Yeah, I think I think the point um, that we're trying to make there is that even if you're passive part of you is still aggressive typically yeah. there, there, even if you're suppressing that aggression there's people you know when they get hurt or when they're uh, yeah. stressed or challenged there's uh, um, even those who are who are very super passive and would never have a confrontation right they're going to feel that mm-hmm. um and yeah i think a place of a sort of is that the right word for me um confident maybe or yeah, sure. um, willing to engage not definitely not passive definitely not aggressive right um uh it's interesting some people can uh can be too pushy true like assertive slash pushy is is not the right if that's what you mean by assertive yeah right i guess you make you make a good point it's kind of hard to label that middle ground that healthy place where yeah. you are willing to engage in conflict if you have to put a label on it i don't mind it i don't mind yeah. assertive but uh-huh. i i understand what you're saying it, there, i can't think of a good a better word yeah i think um you know when i watch clips of like jordan peterson he yeah. he likes the word assertive yeah and um has done i guess research or has read research about 
people who are assertive yeah. are much more likely to advance their career and be, uh-huh. quote, successful and that kind of thing as to those who are not assertive. And if you're, most people are, are typically walked on. Yeah, sure. And there are people who have learned that if, uh, and they, they become overly assertive. Yep. Right. And, and they're, in, I wouldn't call them aggressive, but they're just overly assertive. They're just kind of pushing their agenda all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I find those people annoying. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's like, totally. you know, uh, it's like when I was in the lunch line at, at uh, in, in college and, and there was this basketball player okay. next to me uh-huh. and we we're, it was like a cafeteria style. You have a tray and you're sliding down the little mm-hmm. metal yeah, yeah. rail and you're getting food off. The, sure. Of course. Yeah. And, um, and he is not paying attention and he keeps banging his tray into my tray and like <laughs> pushing me down the line. Yeah. 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 And, it, and, you know, I, I turn and look and his chest is practically in my face. He's, right. he's, he's a giant. Yeah. You're pretty tall. I'm so tall. If, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm six three and he's, he's seven foot something and yeah. he, and and I'm looking like in in his torso uh-huh and he's he's looking around he's not even like I'm not even there right and he kind of is like you know assertively pushing me down okay. the, the line so we can get and and I said uh, and I put my hand up and I said hey settle down <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 like, you're annoying me right. I, and, and I don't appreciate you being assertive right now sure uh, sure, I'm, sure. I, I'm thinking about what I want to eat so right. like you know, back yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, assertive people get stuff done and get their way. That's that's uh, yeah, there's that's true. That. But there's also something ugly about it too. Sure. Um, and so yeah, yeah that's what you mean by assertive. But then you know, there, there's it's a continuum, right? Exactly. And so exactly. So where's we're, that we're healthy? That, yeah. Where's that healthy place? And what what yeah. word would you put on it? I don't know. But yeah, that doesn't um, matter a whole lot. But but yeah, not people. There are people who are on the extreme aggressive, on the extreme passive. And we're trying to, you know, it's, it's more healthy to be able to navigate the middle. Yeah. Yeah. There are times um, uh, when, you know, I tell people this in, in church leadership, when we, we do like new members class, you yeah, know, yeah. I say, I, I'm very sensitive to like spiritual abuse and the way people have felt wrangled and controlled. And I'm very, uh, I think laissez-faire, yeah. like very calm and yeah, subdued. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then I said, until, until... I'm not. Right, right, right. Um, and if if you want to um, wreck your marriage with an affair and try to justify it, um, then then you're going to find me much, much more assertive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I'm not going to shy away from that. It's my job. It's my responsibility. Yeah, right? yeah. And there, I think there are there are times. It's just like you know, everything has its place, right? Mm-hmm. And there there is there is a, a a context when you need to be assertive. And it's good to be assertive, yeah, yeah, even aggressive. Yeah, um, someone enters your home uninvited. Sure, uh, it's time to be aggressive, right? Uh, and but there's also a time to, you know, someone is mentally unstable. They're screaming at you. Um, maybe it's time to be passive. Maybe yeah. it's time to listen mm-hmm. and look for the painful kernels of truth and mm-hmm. not have an a, an altercation or an argument. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 all using wisdom and sensibilities, yeah, right? And right. it's definitely a continuum. Yep. Yeah. Yep trying to find a healthy place yeah yeah, thanks brian yeah thanks for writing in hey if you got uh something that you want to correct what we're saying or add some nuance yeah we love hearing from folks thanks yeah write us uh look at the show notes and you'll find ways to to uh give us a message a correction a story an interesting (laughs) we need to be corrected a bunch i think yes definitely especially you no you i was thinking you but (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. You got corrections, comments, questions, queries, complaints, or a great story? Just look for the show notes in this episode of your podcasting app and find ways to join the conversation. Try to keep it clean, and if you do, we'll probably feature you in an upcoming episode. And hey, we're just two guys here. We're trying to build the Hopper community. But that was a really great episode, wasn't it? It was so good, Willie, that I put a dime sizer in my underwear. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so I had a friend tell me once that he had pooped his underwear just a little bit. And he said, it was not a big deal. It was just a dime sizer. <laughs> so okay. we, we're like, a dime sizer? Is this a thing? Is this a term? I've a dime sizer. So you're uh, telling me this episode was so good that you put a dime sizer? You dropped a dime sizer I get, in your underwear? I laughed so hard. There must be a dime uh, sizer in there. Well, listen, if you dropped a dime sizer in your underwear, yeah. you need to tell somebody about this episode. Oh, boy. And <laughs> tell them how they can listen to it. If you can't think of anyone who would enjoy this episode, you need to get out and make some more friends. Absolutely. Hey, let's, let's summarize this episode, Dave. What's the main lesson that we should take away from it? You should never assume that people like you. Because it's likely that they really don't. <laughs> Especially you, Willie. Well, if you're going to be pooping in your pants, I'm, I, I think I understand why they don't like you. Highly likely that people don't like you. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm drinking matcha. I don't like coffee. Matcha is is the ground up tea leaves. Um, so look oh, at that. That looks. Is I, is that before or after you drank it already? Uh, this is. Yeah. Um, this is not vomit, and it, it's not. It kind of looks it's like not it. Lentil stew. Um, this is matcha tea. Yeah, and it and it does have um, some creamer in it. Okay. Because otherwise, it's it's pretty rugged. It's pretty brutal. <laughs> um, you need to you need to soften the blow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's very earthy. Oh man. Very earthy. Um, All right. So yeah, what you said it's it like for you? mud. Um, it, it it tastes like mud in a way, but um, you put enough creamer in it, it's really good. Okay. <laughs> um. It, Matcha is uh, is very healthy. Okay. So they say. I mean, ten years from now, they may say it's not. Yeah, for all you people who've been drinking matcha, I got bad news for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it uh, it does have caffeine. Okay. It's not. I when I if I if I were to drink coffee, which I don't like, you know. Yeah. Um, I would feel my heart start to race immediately. Okay. This does not do that to me. So it doesn't have as much caffeine, probably. It probably does not have as much, and it seems like it's a slower burn. Oh, okay. Like it, it, I, I definitely feel more awake and alert. And yeah. this, this has got nootropics in it too. I mean, it's got, it's got, uh, adaptogens. So it's, it's got some mushroom powder. Okay. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm becoming a fan of the mushroom powder. I, I think it, uh, I think it, it sharpens my dull axe. <laughs> sharpens your dull axe. You know, you know, we, sometimes we record in the morning. Yeah. And, and I'm no good in the morning. Right. My brain is like in a fog for hours after I wake up. Uh-huh. Um, and I walk and I pray and I like, you know, I, I do things to get it, yeah. to get it jump started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I drink matcha. It's one of the Matcha's things. helping you. Yeah. Okay. All right. But. Uh, Whatever will help you to uh, be more coherent at yes. any time of the day is something that we really need to <laughs> to uh, dial in on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny when I was driving up your driveway. So you live in a farmhouse which is a new thing for you. Yeah, it is. You've always been more urban than, That's right. than not. It's been almost five years we've been here. Yeah, and, and uh, every time I drive up, there are these two orange grass bots yeah. that are stuck on something Yes, and not mowing the grass right. that is getting too tall. Yes. <laughs> so, so I, I got I to gotta say, I don't know if this is going to stay in there, but my, this has been a project of my wife, and she has absolutely loved these things. And she, she, we got them about four years ago, probably. 
She did a ton of research and said, "I, you know, these these are going to be the the perfect thing." And hmm. she has just, in after four years, she has said that that was a bad purchase. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, those things I think would be yeah. fantastic if we had fairly. Uh, let's see, a a, a uh, grass that had no sticks falling into it. Yeah, because you get a big stick falling into yeah, it, and it's, it, it, it gets stuck on it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that we have that's a real problem is we have moles and voles out here. Yeah. And so they make mounds and they get stuck on that. But if yeah. you had a fairly, you know, a, a decent yard, even if it's in elevation, th- those things will go up a hill, no problem. Right. But it's the like divots that right. they get stuck in. And so they need constant supervision. Uh, and she's working really, really hard on it. And But if it was a decent yard... It would be a, right. a, it's a great product. It's a great product. I really believe in the product. Man, if only you had a teenage boy yeah. who could push a mower for five bucks. Oh, man. Man. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're way um, yeah, so my matcha looks like uh, some of your grass clippings. Do. Oh, I see. Yes, that's right. And, um, that's right. Yeah, so, it, and it tastes probably similar. About the same, yeah. But um, yeah, apparently it's very good for you. I, I actually like it. I've kind of got hooked on it. 